this morning, as we are talking about fresh encounter, we are going to go straight to the scripture in the book of John chapter 4. Go to the book of John chapter 4. And we're going to look into something that is completely unusual. We're going to talk about the woman of Samaria, but there is something that God is going to reveal to you this morning that you never paid attention to. We're going to go to the book of John chapter 4. Uh, you can start from verse 1 if you want to, or you can start from verse 4. Go ahead, let's see. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Hold on. I want you to see something here from verse 1 that we did not read. The Bible talks about that when he came to the understanding of John and others that Jesus was baptizing more people than John the Baptist. That many people were coming to Jesus for him to baptize them. Though Christ himself was not baptizing, but he had more people. His ministry was great. His ministry was growing with the crowd. And the crowd was getting so much. But when it came to the point, for the sake of one woman, for the sake of one person, for the sake of you, for the sake of you, Jesus decided to leave the crowd and the multitude to go through Samaria because he needed an encounter with one person. And one of the things I want you to understand this morning that revival can never break out in a crowd. Revival is done one person at a time. Jesus, after everything that he was doing in, in, in chapter, verse 1, 2, and 3, he had to leave that in order to go through Samaria. Continue. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Shikar, Shikar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Mm -hmm. Continue. Jacob's well was there, mm -hmm. and Jesus tried from the long walk, set wealthy beside the wall about noontime. Continue. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, mm -hmm. and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Continue. He was alone at the time, because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Can you hold on one second? I want you to see something here that is something I call divine separation. When God has an interest in you, as I know this morning that God has an interest in all of us individually, when God has an interest in you, God will create a situation and circumstance where he will have to separate people that will be an inconvenience or what I call catalyst of distraction and unbelief away from you in order for him to have time with you. God intentionally, through Christ, said to the disciples, how many people does it take to buy food? How many people does it take to buy food for the 12 people? Miss Mary alone buys food for everybody in this church. <laughs> Whenever you're having something and activities here, I know that Miss Mary alone will run 20,000 miles to get things for everybody. But in this case, there were only 13 people and 12 people had to go to buy food. It was a divine decor in order to move them away from the time that Christ wants to have with you. Sometimes there are people that God will not allow to be around you. The reason why you are crying and said, oh, they have left me alone. I'm only alone. Christ wants to use the opportunity to do what? To encounter you. Amen. 
He allowed all of them, the 12 of them, to go buy food because he knew that those 12 would have been a catalyst of destruction and a catalyst of unbelief in what God wants to do in the life of the woman. He came to the woman. He sat there at the well and the woman came. And Jesus said, please, can you give me a drink? Let's see what the woman said. Go ahead. The woman was surprised, for Jesus refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. For the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Go ahead. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I want you to hold on that right quick. Here is the offense we'll begin right now. The Bible says, Jesus said to the woman, can you please give me a drink? The Bible says the woman was surprised for the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritan. And the woman said to Jesus, why is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Many of us, God would have taken us to a greater level, but because of our racist mind, many of us, racism is embedded in us. Whether we are white, whether we are black, whether we are Hispanic, whether we are Africans, whether we are Chinese. Because of the race of Jesus Christ, the woman who is a Samaritan immediately brought racism in the front. How is it you? You think you're better than me. Why would you not come to condescend so low to ask me for water until God is able to peel racism from your mind, from your spirit, from what your parents have told you? God will not be able to use you effectively. Many of us, our great-grandfathers here were the ones who were enslaved. But you are still carrying the scars of your great-grandfather's slavery. That when a white man comes in with you, you already have in mind what to say because you are embedded with fullness of racism in you. This is Jesus Christ making every effort to go through winding way to come to encounter her. The very first thing that came out of her mouth, why you a Jew, you a white man, come to ask me a black woman after what your great-grandparents did to my parents and you have the guts to ask me for a drink. I got you. This is my turn. Why would you ask me for a drink? God is willing to do something in our life. Many of us could have been in a different level in life, spiritually, financially, physically. Many of us could have been in so many areas, but because we have so much racism embedded in us, it has denied us the opportunity to encounter God. So why would you ask me that? And Jesus said to her, if you know the gift that God has for you, and who is it that speaks to you? You would have asked me, and I would have given you a living water. Amen. And the next thing the woman said to him, where are you going to get the living water from? You don't even have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You don't have nothing. How many times have you judged people before you knew who they were? Amen. This woman began to judge Jesus without knowing who he was. He has never explored the person. Many young men, many young women today are not married because the husbands or the men or the women that come to you does not come the way you expect them to look. 
They look different. They sound different. They talk different. Because of that, you judge them before you know who they are. Many times you have looked at situation and circumstance and we conclude into, went into judgment. We become so conclusive and we are so full of ourselves. God wants to empty you, empty the trash, empty the mess in you in order to use you for his work. There is no way he could use this woman at this point because she's still filled up with so much vile in her. There's so many of us here, men and women, we have, if God begins to empty what is in us like this, it's so stinking, nobody who can stay in the, even in this Texas because of how foul the things we have inside is. Without encountering this woman, you will not know that she has a racist tendency. Without encountering her, you will not know that she is so judgmental. Many of us are judgmental of people. And many times the woman said, you don't have a rope? You don't have a bucket? How many times have we looked at situation based on what we see? We judge things based on what we see. We accuse people based on what we see. We have not tested, explored, and experienced the person in order for us to have a conclusion about the person. And if you look at this person, this woman, from the words of her mouth will testify, will show you some of the challenges she was having as a person. When you hear her say, sir, she's not telling you, sir, in a respectful way. She was telling him, sir, in a very derogatory and disrespectful form. You look at the way that the scripture put it. Many of us, men, women, have failed or remain single or remain unmarried or remain challenges even in our current marriage today because we are so full of ourselves. She made herself more than Christ. How dare you ask me? She put herself at a pedestal where she does not belong. If it is me, I would have walked away. But God has not given up on you up till today because he sees potential in you for the future. He saw a potential in this woman. For that reason, he endured. Many people are enduring us even in marriages, not because we are great, but because there is the potential for a future in our life. Jesus said to her, go ahead, continue, my dear sister. But sir, you don't have a rope or mm -hmm. a bucket, she said, mm -hmm. and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? This well... It's very deep. Many of us, we fail exams because we begin to answer the question even before we read it. Many of us today have been failing exams and will still continue to fail exams because we already jumped to conclusion to an answer even before we read the question. Jesus said to her, if you know the gift that God has for you, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. And she's referring to the physical world. Say, well, besides, this well is deep. I can imagine the woman in her sassiness. Besides this well. See, she has the provision. She has the bucket. She has the water, uh, the, 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 the rope. She has the thing to extend grace to a stranger. 
Many of you here have the provision that a stranger needs, have the provision that your brothers and sisters need, yet you sing, you praise, you clap in the church, but you cannot extend a little grace to the next person. You want to utilize the opportunity that you have to showcase who you are. She has the bucket. But she be jumped into conclusion. The well is deep. Where will you get the living water? How can you know where he will get the living water when you don't even know who he was? Continue. We got too many things to explore. Got few mo few minutes left. Continue. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Here's the next problem with our lives. Here's the next problem with this woman. Comparison. Many times we have compared our current relationship, even to the relationship we don't have yet. Many times we have condemned the man that we live with or condemned the woman that we live with because your eye is on something or compared it with your past relationship. If that relationship was great, why you left that relationship to the new one? Began to create comparison. Who do you think you are? Do you think you are better than our fathers, Jacob? And his sons, but unknown to her, you are talking to a man who said, because Jacob was, I am. Christ knew the world before even it was dark. Continue. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals enjoyed? Continue. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water mm -hmm. will soon become thirsty mm -hmm. again. Continue, continue. But those who drink the water mm -hmm. I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, <laughs> giving them eternal life. Okay. Continue, continue, continue. I'm going to pull please, them together. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go ahead. Go and get your husband, Jesus mm -hmm. told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. If I want you to understand something. In everything the woman has said, this is the first time that Christ attested that she spoke the truth. Because this is the only time that she has now been caught in her situation and in her circumstances. She had no choice now than to confess and say the truth. I want to pull something that when you look at our lives, the very first point I mentioned about the issue of race and racism and our mindset. Talking about the next thing, our, our ego and, 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 and things about our life that have denied Christ. There is something else hidden now. Three more points I want to bring out. And each and every one of us should search him or herself. Search inside yourself and see how deep-rooted these things are in you and what he has denied you in life. But I want to tell you that it's not too late. Because you are still alive and because Christ has not given up on you, there is the opportunity to peel out all these things out of you and bring out the potential that is buried inside you. Continue. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount 
uh, Gezerim, yeah. where our ancestors worshipped. Here is another problem. Despite every effort of Jesus Christ to encounter this woman so she can experience God, the things that she's been filled with is so much now she has gone into religion. Many of us in our church today, even here, are so religious-minded that we are so spirit-far. Many of us understand in our church, this is the way we do it. In the other church, this is the way we do it. This is what we do before. This is, we have all the religious activities, but all these religious activities have not brought us closer to God. Rather than listening, this woman, if you look at from the moment everything she has been saying, just one question she answers give you 12 sentences that have nothing to do with the question. Now Jesus has continuously walked his way into her life to say, you know what, go call your husband. He said, oh, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, yeah, you said the truth because you've had five. You couldn't live with five. These are some of the things that the five men found that they couldn't live with you. And the one you stay with right now is not your husband. It's a borrowed man. You borrowed it from somewhere. You borrowed it. And then the next thing the woman says, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. But why is it that you Jews say that in Jerusalem that's the place of worship? But we Samaritans say this. Bringing Jesus into a different dimension and bringing religion into it. Religion and religious activities have denied us an a spiritual encounter with God. God wants to encounter you. That's why Jesus said to her, Woman, the time comes and now is the time when you neither worship in Jerusalem nor you worship in this mountain. For the Father is the Spirit and is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants those, when you're able to worship God in spirit, you're able to worship God in a transformable way. The spiritual worship of God will transform your life. The spiritual worship of God is transportable. You carry the worship with you. Any place you go, you display you, the aura of the presence of God in you. God does not want the worship of the place, but he wants a personal relationship. The woman keeps talking about a place, Jerusalem, and the mountain. God is not interested in the place. He's interested in you. He wants you. It's not the place. He said the time comes when those who worship the Lord will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he got to the point, the Bible says, and the woman left her bucket by the well and ran back to the, to, to the village and now told people, come see a man who have told me all that I did. Could he be the Christ indeed? And the Bible says the people left the villages streaming running down to go see. When we have encountered God, when God has encountered us in our life, we are no more ashamed of our past because God has cleansed the past to give you a new future. When the woman was able to allow Christ to encounter her in her situation, she was able to go back and now talk about what she did. If you were from Africa or from places where you fetch water from the well, many of you here open the tap and the water comes out. You know that people don't go to the well in the afternoon. People go to fetch water in the morning and in the evenings. People do not go to fetch water at the scorching sun by 12 o'clock. But because of her past life, 
She had to go at the time when she will not, don't want to encounter anybody. She want to go at the time that is secluded, at the time when she could just go alone and go in her penury and go in her situation and get water and go back home. But I want to tell you this morning, no matter what has isolated you from the community, even though the church itself may have condemned you that you're gay, you're homosexual, you're bisexual, you're trisexual, you're quadrosexual, whatever you are, or you have 20 abortions or 1,000, you marry three, four, five, six, seven, it don't matter. No matter what the church has condemned you based on religion, I want to tell you this morning that God sees a greater potential in you for his work tomorrow. He does not look at you from your past. He looks at you from the future. But the point God is trying to make here is that your past cannot determine your future. Only God determines your future. Your past is already erased and canceled and put aside. But God wants you to open up this moment so he can peel all the negativities out of you for the work that he has set you apart for the future. Ordinarily, how many people will allow a woman who has married five times to become an evangelist? She want to come talk to you. You? You? You the one who want to talk to me? Oh, shoot, please. But because God has encountered her, because of the potential that God has seen in her, the capacity of God is buried in you. It's like an apple. The seed is in the inside. That seed that's inside the apple, that seed is a tree of its own. You got to split the apple open to get the seed, to plant the seed, to become a tree of its own. Your future, your potential, your capability, your capacity of God in you is buried in you for your future, not in your past. Your past has nothing to condemn you anymore because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You don't have to be ashamed of your yesterday. You don't have to let your yesterday deny you the opportunity of coming out boldly. Let your past be a testimony of a great future in your life. The woman had to go and say, come see a man who told me all that I did. How many people married five times, living with another person's husband, will come out and be proud to talk about it? No, but because there is an encounter, she's beginning to feel the exploratory power of God in her, and she can feel the experience and the euphoria of God, that he can say, I am a new creature. I am no more ashamed of myself. Don't let anybody make you ashamed of yourself today. Your past is your past. And so, God is the one who erases the past and sets you afresh for the future. Why allowing your yesterday to deny you the opportunity of fresh encounter with God today for a greater tomorrow? Why? The Bible says the woman left her water pot. And then the Bible says, then after then the disciples came saw him talking to the woman. And the Bible says, they dare not ask her, ask him why he was talking to the people. If you look at the reaction of the disciples, if they were present, they would have denied the woman the opportunity of an encounter with God. So sometimes God will separate you from so many people in order to get your attention. Don't cry when some of those people chose not to be your friends anymore. Don't cry when they decide to say, I don't want to go with you anymore. That's a divine separation. 
I pray prayers many times. I say, Lord, I'll put a, a hedge of enmity between my children and those who will lead them astray. So when they complain, I some of their friends that don't talk to them anymore. I'm happy. They don't know. I'm revealing a secret right now. So, but I want you to understand the woman was able to go and tell people. And they came, met Christ, encountered Christ. After they encountered Christ, they turned around and said to the woman, well, we believe not just because of what you said, but because we ourselves. Would you believe that one woman will be a measure of transformation in a community? Do you believe that that woman alone, with looking at her, looking at her being full of herself, looking at her being resist-minded, looking at her being pompous, looking at her being full of herself, not being able to live with a man that will say, what do you, a man, can give to me that I can give to myself? I got a job, I got money, I got everything I need. Who are you? I don't need you. If you look at such a person, you will not believe that there's a capacity of God buried underneath that can be used for revival in a community. Such a person, an unusual character, an unusual instrument. I want you to understand, like I said earlier, if you have failed in anything, if there's anything you've ever been ashamed of that you did or happened to your life, I want to tell you, you're the right candidate for revival. All you need to do is to allow God to encounter you, peel off all those things, and he'll bring out the giant that is buried in you, and you become a new creature. That's what God wants to do. She went to the village, became an evangelist immediately. And I want to ask you, did, did Jesus drink the water anymore? The water that Jesus asked her to give to him. He didn't drink it. He was just looking for an opportunity to engage the woman. Many people came and they believed. And for that matter, they said, you know what? We want Jesus to stay some more days with us. All it took was one person for a revival. And finally, as I close, I want to mention one more person who have denied himself the opportunity of God. Jacob, the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 28, you don't have to go there, just get the message. In Genesis chapter 28, God encountered Jacob where he was lying down sleeping. And the Bible says and God encountered him, he had a dream and he saw a ladder went all the way from the earth to the heaven and the angels going back and forth, descending and ascending and God standing and saying to him, I'm the God of your fathers. I will do this for you. I'll be with you. I'll do all these things. And the Bible says that when Jacob woke up, he said, the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. If you look at the two statements that God was saying to him, I am the God of your father. I will be with you. God wanted him, but Jacob is talking about a place. He said, God is in this place. God was not in the place. God was there for him. God is here for you, not in this building. And Jacob said, he is in this place and I don't know it. And then God began to say, listen, I'm going to be this. Your children will be this. This is the promises I'm going to make you. And what did Jacob do? Jacob procrastinated the encounter of God in his life and said, if you will go with me, many of us, like I said from the beginning, if you are still going to the same direction you're going after you encounter God, then there's not an encounter. Because when you encounter God, it's like a head-on collusion. Your life will never be the same again. Jacob met God. And what did he do? He said, if God will be with me the way I go, if he's going to give me clothings, because many of us, because of clothing, sometimes some of us don't come to church because, oh, what we are wearing, we wore it last Sunday. And we're not ready to wear the same thing again this Sunday. Many of us have 
lost to the purpose and the will of God in our life because of material things of life. He said, if God will give me clothing, if God will give me food, if God will give me shelter, if he will provide all these things for me, where I go. Then, he pushed now to then. Many of you here, many of us here have pushed our now. He said, then I will be a God. Then you will be my God. Then I will be your son. Then I will come back and this place, this stone I put in here will be a house of God. And then I will give you a tenth of what you gave to me. Have you procrastinated the encounter of God in your life? I want you to take it back. I want you to know that God wants you now, not tomorrow. 